Recorded at Get a Grip Studios in Toronto, Canada. A Get a Grip management production and in association with the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. Financially supported by the good folks at the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, this is Restoring Darkness podcast. This episode of Restoring Darkness is brought to you by Evluma. If you're serious about contributing to the reduction of light pollution, go to evluma.com, hover over products, and click on Dark Sky Friendly Lighting. Both the Omnimax and Ariamax lights are International Dark Sky Association certified. The warmer color temperatures of the Omnimax reduce the more easily scattered blue wavelengths, which contribute to glare and sky glow. With Ariamax lights, you get full cutoff, which also means no uplight and a significantly reduced contribution to sky glow. And all of Avluma's outdoor lighting product lines come with dimmable drivers for even more control. If your customer is looking for dark sky friendly fixtures with energy savings while still meeting the demands of decorative lighting, look no further than Evluma. Evluma, illuminating the pursuit of dark skies. Welcome back to the Restoring Darkness podcast. Today we are honored to have Karolina Zielinska Babkowska with us. She is an architect and award-winning practicing lighting designer with over 20 years of experience in the field of lighting design. Previously, she has worked for L Plan Lighting in Berlin, Germany, Fisher Morant Stone in New York, US uh, in the New York United States, Spears and Major, and the Light Bureau in London, and Reflection in Zurich, Switzerland. In 2013, she founded her own consultancy, Design for People, D4P. Carolina is also an assistant professor at the Faculty of Architecture at Dansk University of Technology, Poland, and a co-founder of the GUT Light Lab, where she conducts research on various aspects of light and lighting in the built environment. Since 2019, she is a head of ILUM, the interdisciplinary research group as part of the Ecotech Research Center at GUT, created to minimize the impact of artificial light pollution on people, flora, and fauna. She is also actively engaged in the technical committee work of the inter- of international organizations such as the International Commission on Illumination, CIE, Illuminating Engineering Society, IES, and International Dark Sky Association, IDA, providing guidelines and sharing best practices for nighttime illumination in the built environment and the natural environment. In 2022, Carolina founded Responsible Outdoor Lighting at Night Conference and was principal co-author of the Roll-On Manifesto, which we're going to get to. Thank you for joining us today, Carolina. Much for having me. Um, You know, one of the things I sometimes with these types of manifestos or lists or, you know, uh, the five principles of responsible uh, uh, responsible outdoor lighting, I like to start at the end sometimes. And I found number 10 to be the most compelling and often most ignored of of all things when we do projects. And that is after project completion, visit the site at night with community stakeholders to verify your lighting design was fully implemented and meets roll-on standards and principles. Why is verification and measurement so often ignored, but is almost the essential part of success in projects? Why do we ignore it so much, Carolina? Well, I think maybe uh, <laughs> because we are afraid that the end result will be so different than you know the one we hoped for, <laughs> and uh, I think this is uh, very often if you have um, very well known established practice. This is this is a, a common you know uh, thing for them, um, but for the younger generation uh, designers, maybe those ones who are not you know as uh, experienced, um, this could be an issue. Also, you know uh, there are different people are designing lighting, right? So we not only have professional lighting designers, but we also have uh, manufacturers. We have suppliers, we have contractors. So, you know, there is a bunch of people. Uh, they they flanners, they feel they can. 
Yeah, we lost you there for a minute. We'll we'll keep going here and see if the internet straightens out. But I, I understood the, the the point that you were making there, and you know I I I think it's because the goals of business and the uh, uh, researchers or something are trying to impose the goals of business on onto business. So, for example, measurement and verification is the absolute outcome of research. That's what researchers are trying to do is to measure and verify some result or something. Business people are trying to get the cash. Um, and once they get paid, it's kind of like sure. you, you kind of want to you know get out of there and wait for the customer to call you back. But I think we're entering an era where um, you, can, you can forge an even more, a more powerful relationship with your customer if you return to the site after and conduct the measurement, measurement and verification as the finishing and closing part of your project. So I love that you've included it in, into the, into the roll-on standards. Tell me how a, an idea for a simple manifesto came about. You know, um, I had a feeling that, uh, first of all, um, we as designers, I mean, I, I'm somewhere in between because I'm a practicing lighting designer, but I'm also a researcher. And the reason being I'm a researcher is that I couldn't really find answers for the questions I was having. And on top of it, it was well known regarding, you know, researchers. They didn't really want to talk to me because I was not part of their, you know, um, environment and their field. So this is a common thing, like, uh, you know, uh, researchers have, you know, those ones who also have PhD uh, degrees, they will talk to each other. <laughs> now, yeah. I think the, the environment is changing, sl slowly changing. They are more, you know, they're open uh, to this, to, to dialogue with, with. Years. But it was not the case before. Uh, so, you know, in order to, uh, to, uh, get uh, the information, important information, um, you really need, needed to get into th this circle. But of mm -hmm. course, without PhD, it was very difficult. That was one thing. So no access to information. And then also um, another thing uh, what I realized is that even if I would download a, uh, a research paper and or a research report, I would not really understand the content because it was written in a very complex scientific language and I would use a different vocabulary as a designer, mm -hmm. you know, I would use a pencil, right? I mean, this would be, I will talk and, and make a drawing. Um, so, so for me, um, this, um, um, you know, visual language was very important and for them, uh, the written but very scientific language uh, was the tool to communicate. So, what I uh, understood um, is that you know it's it's very difficult to uh, to, trans to, <laughs> to to find a platform or um, where we could translate the research um, into applicable practice. So this uh, this was an issue, and um, I had um, I had uh, of course uh, th throughout the years uh, connections in the research field and in the practice. And I, uh, I started to talk to people and said, what do you think? I mean, is it, uh, is it something uh, important we should do? We should maybe uh, talk to the, uh, you know, uh, dark sky advocates uh, and uh, hopefully get them on board and, you know, like hear what they have to say about, um, you know, the, the aspects of uh, outdoor lighting, responsible outdoor lighting and also uh, light pollution and um and other researchers of course and then you know combine the knowledge and and um first of all start a dialogue and then maybe uh, create uh, this manifesto so manifesto came really after the first roland conference and i think john you had a chance to participate in this conference right it was in may yes, 2022 yeah. and uh it was a unique event because we managed to uh to invite both fields, practice and science or research, and we started a dialogue. So, you know, um, first of all, um, what was also very important, so the, the, the manifesto was not really um, an idea back then. 
This only happened after the end of the conference, after two days Mm -hmm. where we were having this dialogue Mm -hmm. and discussions. Well, we were, you know, like I, I felt so, so comfortable with, uh, with the people, uh, you know, who were participating and they were also willing to share their knowledge that I was saying, well, should we really, uh, you know, uh, get together and write something as a, you know, a manifesto after this, this conference, maybe we can even start a movement. And this is something what, you know, what happened out of the idea of having a dialogue. Right. So um, I was really uh, very happy that uh, the founding partners of the Roland Conference uh, would include um, International uh, Dark Sky Association, but also um, a lot of um, partners from the lighting, uh, you know, field. Uh, so we will have uh, IES, Illuminating Engineering Society, as a partner. We will we will have. Um, um, International um, Association of Lighting Designers from, you know, from the U.S., but of mm-hmm. course, international body. Um, we will have um, um, SLL, Society of Light and Lighting, and uh, uh, ILP, uh, Institution of Lighting Professionals. So you can imagine then that it was a really good moment because they were um, they were really open to discussing. Uh, uh, this topic, right? So can we really um, change or so uh, the way we approach, um, you know, outdoor projects, right? Can we uh, include all this information which is out there? I mean, it exists, we cannot really ignore it and actually support our uh, knowledge with this, you know, with this um, uh, new knowledge uh, and uh, support our practice. So this was the, this was the idea really. And I, um, I, I, I must uh, say, um, it took took a while, to, of course, to create those ten points because you know, uh, it, it when you have so many uh, partners, we have seven partners. Uh, it was you know, it was taking a long time to uh, to uh, agree on certain wording and so on. But I'm really pleased to say, as as you've seen, it was published. Uh, you know, on different uh, uh, you know, websites and uh, through different, uh, you know, uh, means that um, this happened. So now um, there is this, uh, how I see it, now there is this really uh, um, interesting movement happening called also Roland movement. And from this, um, IDA um, started to um, uh, to look into uh, you know, different uh, activities and events. So they are going to, um, um, they have in mind to have Roland Awards where we will have, uh, you know, responsible outdoor lighting projects submitted uh, and judged, but the uh, the judges will be not coming from the, uh, from IDA. They will be coming from the lighting practice. So the lighting practitioners who are already working on the, you know, in the field, with this knowledge will be judging their colleagues. So I think this is really um, a new, uh, you know, uh, interesting um, initiative. But we also are looking at, uh, you know, um, translating uh, uh, those 10 principles into uh, different languages. So I have already a number of uh, lighting design uh, companies uh, contacting me and, uh, um, you know, uh, asking me, where can I sign? So they really want to sign <laughs> the manifesto. Sure. And so, also what they, yeah. So there, there's brought, so the, it's taken 30 years though for the lighting industry and the, what I call the darkness restoration movement to come together. Um, and, you know, it, this has been a long, as, as fast as you guys put this together, um, my memory of the IDA and darkness restoration or dark skies movement is that it was at odds with the lighting industry, that the lighting industry w- did not like the movement. And I think this is completely ridiculous. Um, and I, and the purpose of this podcast, which is created by lighting people for lighting people, is to it, one of the principles from our side is that darkness restoration or night night preservation. There's different terms here. I don't like the word dark skies. I think that's the wrong word. I, it doesn't describe mm-hmm. things correctly. Um, night preservation probably is a is a is the best one. Um, but the the idea that, that this is at odds with the this is the single greatest financial opportunity for the lighting industry 
And the lighting industry has to look, come to understand that, that when they ignore this issue, Carolina, they're ignoring the single biggest opportunity for us. And I love that Roll-On has done this and brought all these stakeholders together. And finally, they're working together, John. I'm going to bring you in here. They're working together. Yeah, uh, yeah but things do take their time. Um, mm. when, the, when the movement started, it was, it was a few astronomers, astronomers professional, yeah. uh, professional and, uh, and, and amateur. Uh, most of us are not astronomers and most of us, to be honest, didn't care, didn't understand, didn't know, uh, because it wasn't a years ago, even 30 years ago, it wasn't such an issue. It's become such an issue. And it's become such an issue because, as we keep re referring to on these podcasts, the Jevons paradox that you make you, you make things more efficient, so you use more of them. So we we lose more light to the sky than we've ever lost before, as a consequence of good quality lighting being more easily available. Um, and so things do have to come in, into into their time. I think this. I mean, obviously, I think the whole Roland initiative is is is, is fantastic. Um, one of the things that that is intriguing in, in my own work at the moment is there is still a gulf between uh, what science is able to tell us, what the researchers can say, we know this, as against happening in the, if you like, the real world, where people are saying, I know it's wrong and I want to try something different. And in a way, I'm prepared to get it wrong if we can make it better. Are you seeing that, Carol? Are you seeing evidence-based? We, we try it. If it works, if it doesn't, we know, we understand why it doesn't work and we move on. But is that part of, of the way that, that Roland hopes forward, that we're not waiting for the, for the science and we're not waiting for the urge? Yes, I mean, I think we just need to take what we what we know and 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 work with this i mean there is you know there'll be uh, of course uh, if you will talk to a scientist a scientist would tell you no 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 let's wait the next five or ten years we will do more research but if you look at what's happening also with the you know an energy crisis and uh, you know in certain uh, countries um, switching off all the decorative lighting to to you know serve you know uh, save energy this is really our chance as uh, you know lighting profession to 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 uh get this knowledge and kind of position ourselves in a different way right i mean it's not that we are mm -hmm. the ones who are making our environment bright and safe i mean you can make uh, an environment uh to feel uh, and be safe by less light you know so i think it's um we like um, if i look back and uh, uh, you know um, very often um, different you know lighting industry as well but I mean also uh, sometimes practitioners would use a research to their advantage and some sometimes they would even twist um, a certain results so I think uh, you know um, just an example like uh, let's have more light and then you will feel safe forgetting about the contrast right which is a huge issue. Um, so I think, um, you know, to, in order to be expert, you need to understand what's going on, uh, you know, uh, in the in the field. And you need to really, um, as, as, as John mentioned, I mean, take certain things on board and test this. And if this is not working, could be right. Um, then you you communicate with the uh, you know researchers and scientists, and you will tell them, well, you know, um, the way you uh, 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 you know provide the, the data, and and I, you know I try to apply it um, in the lighting uh, design practice. This is not working. Can you please uh, look into this again? So I think mm -hmm. it's there. There there must be a dialogue. Um, I, you know, and very often what I realized, and this is one of the things I, <clears throat> I was facing more and more uh, um, in the last years, is that um, researchers sometimes they are coming up with the with the themes for their research, we, which are so disconnected from oh, totally. the 
yeah from the totally. real real world totally. and now and very often i i have discussions with them and i say well you know i really need to know this and this and this aspect can you provide me you know with this information and they say or is there a research no no it's not i'm because i'm i'm an expert in this field and i'm you know like it's this very area. frustrating researchers are very very frustrating to work with in fact i the, Whenever, and I don't mean to, to say this, but, you know, I find them constantly erecting barriers as to why questions can't be answered. And I, I just find that field extremely, extremely frustrating. But, you know, I, I wanted to loop back to a point here about these astronomers. Um, your first, the first um, principle in the manifesto is everyone should have the right to access darkness and quality lighting. And light needs to be used and distributed fairly without discrimination. Okay, first of all, I've looked through a telescope, like a major telescope, a couple times. I don't need to ever do it again. I, I saw the moons of Jupiter or whatever, Saturn's rings or whatever I saw. Yeah, it was good. I mean, there's a little dot there. That white dot is, you know, the moon of Jupiter. Or whatever. Who cares about that? But don't mm -hmm. take my stars away from me. Like, everybody should be able to access a starry sky. I totally, I couldn't agree more with that. But the idea mm -hmm. that astronomers are leading this this movement, I, the astronomers need to move aside because the, the, the astronomy has nothing to do with eco-benefits, human health, um, with the, the experience of awe related to the stars. And so I want to push the astronomers to the side in this movement and say, lighting people and darkness advocates need to take over this movement and bring it to the people. But... Um, on that note, how do we get the researchers aligned with actual problems we want us we actual problems we need answers to? And I've tried this, and it's difficult because they they're reticent to get into real world answers. They want to stay, and I'm not criticizing all of them, but they want to stay in the subset of the subset of the subset of the of their knowledge. And I feel like we need to call to them, Carolina, and bring them into the the world of of of, of reality in a sense. What are your thoughts so, on I mean, that? I, I agree. And, and there are, you know, there are some who are very open. And, I, you know, I, I, I had a uh, chance to work with, uh, with some of them. And I would say um, probably those ones who are dealing more with uh, human health and biology, uh, because they are, they, probably they would have more interest. But, um, you know, this is, this is also changing what, uh, you know, um, what we showed also through the Roland Conference that we, we are not, uh, you know, uh, attacking anyone. We are really there. We were there to to communicate, right? Sure. And to to learn. I mean, that we we uh, you know, we accept that that they are experts, and we really would like to, you know, and this is what we wanted. We want to hear from them, and I I can give you a, a, a very interesting example. It was a good few years ago, and. Um, in uh, in in Germany, in Berlin, there is a uh, a group of uh, scientists, mostly biologists, um, but also um, an environmentalists, uh, working on the topic of of uh, light pollution. And what they wanted to do, they wanted to uh, recreate uh, a um, the you know urban sky glow. So imagine they have this uh, um, um, real life uh, you know lab. I would say it's mm -hmm. called Lake Lab. It's uh, located uh, not really far away from Berlin. Uh, in uh, it's um, this uh, light lab is uh, located at the one of the darkest uh, lakes in Germany, and uh, they wanted to see uh, if there is an impact of the sky glow mm -hmm. on uh, the you know um, the, the the environment, um, but especially algae. This was you know they were interested to see if uh, the increase um, um, of of algae is connected to the light pollution because there was this kind of you know uh, theory, mm -hmm. and uh, you know they were they were trying to uh, to to come up with a solution. And imagine they have like a number of huge tanks where they wanted to, to run this experiment. And, you know, at, at one point they gave up. They heard that there is, there is a, somebody who would talk to them. I mean, will be able to talk to them because, you know, has PhD okay. <laughs> and also is a practitioner. And they contacted me and I was saying, well, you know, I can see if I can help you. Uh, what do you have? And what kind of, you know, have you experimented, you know, anything like uh, with any any light sources? And uh, so what they showed me, they showed me uh, some fiber optics. And they showed me also um, a backlit box, a 
and I'm said, well, you know, um, give me some time. I need to think about this, but it's, I think it's doable. So in the end, what I, uh, you know, I, of course, um, you know, knowing who, who is the best in the field, who can kind of support, support them. I found a company. I'm not going to, to name the company, mm -hmm. but, uh, based in, in uh, Berlin who could, uh, you know, uh, provide excellent product. Uh, I mean, it was LED and, um, you know, it was, um, uh, we had some, uh, lighting mockups. We tested this and, um, you know, it worked, right? I mean, it was, uh, incorporated in the, you know, in the structure of the tanks and, and it works so they could run their experiment. But imagine like after, you know, um, uh, this experiment was also described in, um, in a well recognized, um, journal, uh, nature scientific reports. So it's a, a big thing to publish there. Mm -hmm. And, um, so imagine, um, after like, uh, one and a half years when this, you know, the lighting installation was still running, they mm -hmm. turned to me and said, well, you know, this is, this is, amazing this is still you know running i'm like what do you expect i mean this is you turn to me as a professional mm -hmm. i gave you the appropriate advice and this is this is why it's working mm -hmm. so i think you know like then they realized well you know i think maybe we should talk to those guys because they also have a knowledge sure. you know for sure so i think it's um it's it's slowly uh, uh um you know we are kind of uh, bridging this gap and there is this um, you know uh, uh, collaboration starting so uh you know i uh, i also hope that um you know lighting designers will be not afraid of 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 research and working with researchers mm -hmm. uh because you know this can only uh, I would say, um, you know, support uh, them in their daily work, but also I think establish the, their, you know, a practice um, and make them, you know, look different, you know, and, and depreciate, uh, you know, between, you know, from their colleagues and so on. And I, I, I have to tell you, this is uh, also uh, happening in the indoor, uh, for the indoor lighting. Hmm. So I know of uh, UK-based uh, practices who are hiring top uh, scientists to tell them how they should, what kind of metrics they should use, how to apply them and so on. I was super surprised, but it's, you know, I'm also not going to advertise, um, sure. you know, and here, but it's happening. So something similar, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to happen also uh, in outdoor lighting more and more, but, um, you know, there are, there is a group of, of, of lighting professionals who are already doing this, this, I can tell you. John, start your design with darkness and only add light if it supports nocturnal placemaking and protects a view of the stars. And your point is? <laughs> That's number How two. Else? That's number two on the map. How else would you, I know. How else would you do it? How would you do it? I, mean, it's, I think that's it's, a fresh it's perspective. Crazy. Yeah. Okay. Well, well I think it's a, it's a design perspective. You know, mm. we we start from an from an empty from an empty canvas, a tabula rasa, mm -hmm. or whatever the black version of the tabula rasa, be. <laughs> and then you start to build, and you build slowly. If you're a manufacturer who just wants to sell units, maybe you don't. Maybe you flood the whole thing with light and then just bring mm -hmm. it down to something that the client can afford. It's a different approach. It's maybe it's an engineering approach that will mm. say we need this uniformity and we need this illuminance. Thank you very much. Let's let's crack on. But you know, those of us who go actually, actually, this is our bread and butter. This is how we earn our living. That's how you start. You start with no light at all, and you build out of that mm. because that's the only way to come up with decent lighting. Um, and one of the, uh, Caroline, one of the things for me is that, you know, I belong to that generation of lighting designers where the, you know, the, the that old, is it, is it science or is it art? Well, I'm no scientist, mm. you know, so my lighting design for the past 40 years has been, art. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have called it that myself until somebody goes, why did you do that, John? Mm. And you go, it seems like time now you can't say that to a scientist but the scientist mm. will say is we have no evidence for that and i i, I wonder whether i don't i don't want to, i don't want to turn this into a monologue because it's too easy but I, the science will ever catch up with us 
every time we see a problem, those of us will, you know, me and you will look at one another and go, we know how to do that. We won't have the proof, but we'll know what the answer is because we know our medium. So um, am I being, um, am I blaspheming on behalf of the scientific community here when I say mm. things like that? Are we going to, are we going to leave the research behind because the world is too fast for them? Uh, is it questioning to me or yes. is it to general? It certainly <laughs> is. Will it work? Anybody, if anybody uses it, yes, go on. You give us an answer. No, I think, you know, I think it's, um, of course, uh, uh, you know, before even you, you have results of any research, you have to, first of all, you know, uh, you have to ask yourself, why would you do cer certain research? Who is the end user, right? And um, mm. with what means? I mean, do we have do we have tools to measure things? Sometimes, you know, if you look at even uh, you know uh, advertisement lighting, uh, you know, uh, video uh, video projections and so on, it's really difficult to measure them because you know we have tools which can measure a still uh, you know image, but if the pace of the you know the uh, of the of the image is changing uh, in a very fast way, you will not be able really to do this, right? So you know, if you think about uh, uh, just going back to to this, what you what you said, John. I mean, start with darkness. Okay, how would you, you know? Of course, it would be uh, ideal if we could start with darkness. But if you think about the uh, built environment, right? We already have lighting there. So it's it will be a uh, you know a luxury to to start with the dark, darkness, but wherever we cannot, we can start with trying to go down, right? Reduce the levels, yeah. and then of course, but for this you would need to understand a lot about um, you know human perception, right? I mean it's that if we think about human centric aspects, so it's the human perception, how we perceive space. I mean it's not the horizontal illuminance. And uh, you know this is this is very often I you know I, I sometimes I have to uh, you know uh, talk to uh, the investors who are saying oh you know because I heard we should have ten lux I mean this is safe I'm like um, are you walking with your head looking down or are you looking walking with your head looking you know upright looking around uh, and you know it, it's the verticality which matters not the horizontal and it's like oh really it's like yes. So, you know, so I think it's also education. So we need to, you know, uh, in order to have the, you know, <laughs> start with darkness, really, we need to educate our uh, clients that they will mm. also feel that it's, you know, mm. it's not, um, it's important and that they will, uh, it's not going to uh, impact their, um, you know, safety and security big time. Because this is, I think there are, you know, there are different aspects. There are people who are afraid of, of, of darkness because there is this, you know, fear of, of uh, being attacked or fear of being, uh, you know, um, I would say maybe wayfinding, it's not an issue here, uh, but, but more the security, right? Safety and security aspect and um, but there are those ones who grew up really in the countryside and they are not really afraid to walk uh, you know for a walk uh, in darkness right because yeah this is yeah. their experience so I think a lot is to do with our experiences how much light we experience as kids for example or teenagers the areas where we grew up and um, you know you can uh, even if we look at uh, an example of of uh, of larger cities like city of london you will have um you know uh, areas which are um you know where people are well off uh they uh, they live in a very nice um uh, area then you would notice that the those areas are uh designed and they are much dark uh, darker than if you go to yeah. some social housing estate where you ha you feel like you know everything is 
over illuminated and it feels like you will be really in in the prison right i mean it's this it's a prison yard this... yeah prison yard lighting yeah well yeah it, the, you could but isn't that an inversion tell. i mean we're you know one of the things that i think is interesting is that light pollution is generally seen as a sign of success you know, if you look at a picture from space of North Korea and South Korea, for example, people say, look how bright South Korea is. It must be more successful than North Korea. And we know certainly that it is. But now you're starting to see the actual deployment of that invert. And so in richer neighborhoods, you see warmer lights. You see more shaded and shielded lighting. You're starting to emerge in different areas. And in, poor, in poorer areas, we're still operating on the axiomatic presupposition, which has failed, that more light equals more safety. And so they're, they're doing these keyhole-to-keyhole key strategies in Chicago, where everything's being lit up from keyhole to the door to the keyhole to the door, but the, the violence problems are not going away. Many, the, the wealthy that realize and have access to science first, or have access to research first, or are able to take these steps, are showing that we can build outdoor lighting systems which are responsible or according to the roll-on manifesto and that these richer areas are doing it first and that this is then going to move slowly into other areas of our society as long as we can get rid of the idea that sa that safety is preserved or created by using massive amounts of electric light. And I don't think this has anything to do with oppression or discrimination. This is only starting in rich areas. It's not like for the last 50 years, rich areas have had dark sky friendly lighting systems or anything like that. This is a new thing that's coming along and people are going, wait a second, we don't want 5,000 Kelvin. We don't want glare. We want shielded lights. We can accomplish our goals of responsible outdoor light without having to light the whole thing up like crazy and so the richer areas are moving first and now hopefully carolina this type of example in some areas where there's more you know people that have access to power and can make things happen quicker will then see its way through down to the other areas i do not believe that light pollution is as a result of discrimination we're all light polluted equally now we're starting to change that in some affluent areas and i'm hoping that it will bleed down into other areas what are your thoughts on that carolina i mean i you know what uh, what i would say is like first of all you have to afford also to have this better lighting mm -hmm. and if you do not have solutions so first of like you know first you need to afford this then you need to have solutions and then also you need to have somebody who would kind of uh, you know design the scheme uh, mm -hmm. with those uh, tools you know and uh, which can be applied and so on so i think what i what i see now it's also changing uh, within the lighting industry, and you can see that um, different manufacturers, they are getting vocal. On, mm -hmm. I mean, I can see this on LinkedIn. It's like they are promoting, the, you know, like uh, they are promoting the uh, dark skies and, uh, you know, they are, uh, you know, posting uh, images from the completed projects and showing, you know, and this is, we, mm -hmm. this is, this is the product we use and so on. So I think this is changing, which is good. It's still, I think what we are waiting now, it will be similar thing than what happened with LEDs. Do you remember when the LEDs started? I remember, you know. I remember yeah. when times before, you know, we uh, we uh, used LEDs, right? I mean, uh, and different uh, uh, light sources were, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, specified. Um, this is going to change because, like, you know, the, if there is a competition between the the manufacturers. Um, and then uh, the, there will be products which will be more uh, affordable, like with the, you know, with those with the LEDs. But, uh, then, of course, uh, we can move into this direction to improve the the, the situation. But uh, if you you know, everybody, when we started with LEDs, we were also hoping to you know we will save energy. But because LEDs, um, you know, in terms of the price. Uh, dropped down so uh, enormously from the, you know, where, where they started. Mm -hmm. They were, remember, I mean, they were so expensive. Also, those ones with really good uh, uh, CIR. Um, then uh, we also don't want, you know, we, I'm hoping that um, 
we will use the, the new tools uh, um, in terms of lighting controls, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, luminars and light sources uh, mm -hmm. to our advantage, but to, to support, uh, you know, um, and to restore the darkness, not mm -hmm. to, you know, not to, not to produce more, not to specify more because it's, it was the same with LEDs, right? I mean, we mm -hmm. suddenly, uh, they became cheaper. So we decided, okay, we can have more of those, right? And so this is mm -hmm. also connected to the, to the uh, increase of, of light pollution. So it's once, one thing is, of course, of, uh, um, you know, uh, unshielded luminars, for example, but, uh, also the amount of, 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 of light sources, uh, we put. So, you know, the light points we put in, right? So that's, this would be, this would be my take on this. John, <laughs> there's been a, yes, thank you. There's um, there is an issue, isn't there, around the around the, the the technical design around the optics of of exterior lighting. Um, the big shift from uh, you know large sunlights or HQR to LEDs as as caught out the test houses really because we're not getting the the kind of data that we need to whether a, a fitting is or not, whether it's actually giving out glare. Or the numbers don't back it up, but everyone standing there on the street is saying that's brighter than it used to be. Mm -hmm. We are, and we're into that. Mm -hmm. We're into we're into, into we're into that sort of non-technical. It's my opinion that kind of territory, and the manufacturers don't want to hear that. And until we get you know, in our case, British standards to to come along and and say we we need to get a better mm. a better handle on how these things are working mm -hmm. then we it's not just it's not just at the science research end that we've got a problem we've got one of the real practical manufacturing and optic manufacturing of fitting and getting it out there let alone the mm. cheap stuff that as you say is is, is just a a cheap little lens but my mm. word unple mm. unpleasant to be, be around I mean, Johnny, on, if you think you about, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about, uh, uh, you know, how do you how do you assess glare in the outdoor environment? Hmm. This is a big thing. I mean, it's like, mm. um, do we mm. really ha do we know how to do this? I mean, uh, you know, that's one thing. It's like, can a a lighting professional do this in outdoor environmental? Question mark. No, I think so. No. What, yeah. Yes. What about? I mean, what about? Uh, you know, then uh, luminaire manufacturer. Uh, well, yeah. Can, can, can I? Can I? Yes. I want. I have a proposition mm -hmm. for you, and I've been thinking about this issue since we started this podcast years ago, and what what I think is should be added to the five principles of responsible outdoor lighting or something like that is the light source should not be visible. Okay, so what, what the problem I see when you're driving down the highway or driving down the road, you can see the LED array. You can see it from a long way off on a wall pack or in a street light. You can see the actual source of the light. And I think that, that that's what the glare is. That is the glare. It's, the, it's being able, if you cannot see the source of the light, and if you look at, you know, dark sky certified or dark sky friendly or whatever light fixtures, whatever you want to call them, you don't see the source of the light. It's up and hidden and it's shielded. And whatever color it is, that's how the glare can be, gets eliminated is by the shielding. And so, and, and all this, a lot of the sky glow, I think, instead of, I, I think that's the fundamental thing from the glare perspective we need to do on our roadways is shield the light source so that all the light is going down, as you said, vertical is, is, is going down. And, and as you're coming toward that light source, uh, you cannot see it. You can only drive through the actual light it's in. Has any has there been any discussions about how the eyeball seeing the LED array is what's causing glare? Because that's my instinct on it, Carolina. No, I think it's it's really difficult. If you think about uh, studies, I mean, uh, uh, Professor Steve Fotius uh, from the UK, I would say is in yeah. forefront of this. And I mean, but this is you know 
he he uh, he embraced the topic, and he's looking uh, into also um, you know pedestrians and and glare aspects. But you know they in 2021 they uh, they have uh, you know then uh, published a a paper and were a review paper where they were saying okay we have an issue, <laughs> we don't really have a methodology <laughs> to uh, you know assess things. So mm-hmm. how can you improve things if you cannot really uh, assess you know the real life you know condition that's uh, mm. this is something what I, what I would say another aspect uh, you, you you were talking uh, about just just don't I just only mentioned this thing um you know uh, you were talking about uh, um, uh, you know road lighting or street lighting mm-hmm. um yes but what about uh vertical illumination and advertisement in all sure. the buildings mm. which are now you know how can you uh make sure that you do not see a light source. I mean, it's about seeing a light source, right? Because it's the image. Uh, so, of course, there are, you know, uh, CIE is uh, is having a, um, a technical committee. I'm on this uh, technical committee and we are looking at, at providing guidance uh, on, uh, you know, uh, colorful and, of course, like, um, you know, LEDs and advertisement and so on. Um, but it's a tricky topic uh, uh, because it would mean we need to uh, have those manufacturers who are, uh, you know, developing displays on board. Um, another issue, I would say, how can we improve the situation? It's the lighting control. Imagine that most of those, uh, you know, uh, um, displays, uh, you know, illuminated advertisement and displays, they do not have controls. So um, they will have to be visible during the day. And imagine we are talking about, uh, you know, very, very high uh, uh, luminance levels against the daylight to be visible. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't have lighting control, they stay on at the same level at night. Mm -hmm. Because somewhere, you know, it's first of all, uh, the, you know, the investor wanted to save some money. Uh, The... So they were not aware. I mean, probably if they would be aware, they would insist it should be in there. And then, of course, there was a designer or engineer who was trying to value engineer solution, right? And because, you know, there was an issue with the budget or maybe even they have it in. They had it in. But then there was a contractor who wanted also to, you know, save some money somewhere. So I but think also, there is a long, maybe you know, the lighting controls don't work either. That's the other portion that the lighting controls people, they're always blaming everybody else. But I'll tell you, there's a lot of times when the lighting controls themselves don't function properly. And so that's something that you need to add into that or they can't be commissioned properly. And so, the, you know, the, the of course, the, I mean, it's, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a endless, complex yeah. topic, but, yeah. you know, if you're missing one thing, yeah. like, you know, yes. one important thing, yes. like a lighting control to, con- you know, uh, to control it, yeah, that's difficult. John. I, I think this, this, you've, you've, you've mentioned two very different cases, but they've both got the, they both, they, they're both presenting the same problem. And that is if, if we were given a choice, we wouldn't start from here. Mm. Um, Steve Fotios wants to drop light levels. He wants to. He he wants us to have. Oh, I don't know, twenty percent of the light levels that we that we normally got. But he also wants uniform light, which means that you can't just take off an existing lantern and put another lantern on mm. because you're going to end up with no light in between. You're asking your uh, utilities to replace all the lighting, and th- and th- that's where where where. Steve and I, I like the idea that that I'd rather go. I would rather go for uniformity at a lower level, if that's the if that's the easy way through this. Um, but if we can't get the uniformity, then you you've got that stumbling block. You don't know because you can't have that kind of distribution regarding if, totally if you're controlled the head, head headlighting. And also in the um, lighting guide 05 that the ILP have just done on illuminated. Uh, advertising, quite right. I mean, we want to encourage truths of these things to to produce new optics, so that the lighting out, so that it's below the horizontal. Then you go, of course you do. The most obvious to deal with that. All you but all it means for the ind- for that industry is that there. So it's again, it's a massive investment to try and create a more sophisticated optic 
in order that we can create a better environment. And that's, again, the block. When there is a commercial model for how much it costs to build those and how much rental they can, they can earn, it, earn out of it, start to change the optics on something that's the size of a house. And then that's mm. going to go right the way through your estate. That's an awful lot of money. So two cases where we can set, we, we know what the solution is, or at least we've got an idea of what the solution is. But the costs to get there, the energy to get there, is, is, and, and the will to get probably is not with us. And I think what what was important important you mentioned those guidelines. I mean, it happened that I uh, you know I, I was involved in those, um, and <laughs> what we the difference between you know this guideline and any other guideline uh, uh, which is uh, you know focusing on advertisement or display lighting is that we we said okay we can come up with very low uh, low levels and we can you know we can suggest something what we think is appropriate but if we will not have buy-in from the manufacturers there is no way you know uh, this can be improved uh, long term so um, a, a you know a, a manufacturer of those displays was involved and he was telling us also about okay these are the sizes you know this is what we do this is this is where we can kind of drop the levels here we cannot but it was again also a dialogue right i mean we started the dialogue mm. and then they are aware we we have an issue so for the next development which will take some time they would think about solutions already because they were part of the of the guidance you know they would be part of an mm. issue we discussed with them and they felt they are uh, you know um, involved and that they are also their voice is also important they, they are not disregarded so i always think you know um we should never you know uh, uh, put ourselves above anyone else so i think um for you know from from uh, we need uh, lighting in industry and buying in from them mm -hmm. we need uh, buying in from uh, um, you know associations lighting associations and and organizations we need buying in from lighting professionals you know, I'm, when when I started talking about research some time ago, they were saying, well, you know, what are you saying? You know, you're going to take, they're going to take away our jobs. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. That's the only chance we can really survive. You know, it, we yes. need to change the way we do things, right? We need to, we cannot close our eyes and say, like, okay, this is somewhere there, you know, this is this, this knowledge, this is this research. We do not touch it. We do our thing as we used to do for the you know, the last fifty years or so, right? So, so it's not the way. I'm going to interrupt you. I I I'm I work in the lighting industry every day on the front line. So I sell light bulbs to people on outside this office here and and light fixtures and projects and all that sort of stuff. And I I've been advocating for a long time that the lighting industry needs to completely refocus, and that refocus should be away from the health effects, away from all this sort of stuff. And they should make, the lighting industry should make darkness restoration night and night preservation its number one goal as the entire industry in the world. And the reason why I'm saying this is because, you know, they, you have people that dovetail between health effects and lighting controls and darkness restoration and climate change. And a lot of those goals are at odds with one another. So a lot of people talk about the health effects of lighting. That means a lot more energy, okay? And then they turn around, they talk about climate change. And then they turn around over here and they talk about this. The darkness restoration and night preservation piece captures everything we want from the lighting industry. It participates into climate change. It helps human health and wellness. It reestablishes our bio, like helps biodiversity in, the, in our ecosystems, uses less energy. It does all of those goals in one beautiful package. And it means that we're going to sell a ton of lighting equipment in the next 10 or 15, 20, 30 years while we do this. And so I really am advocating for the lighting industry. Everybody that out there that's not paying attention to this issue, if you're in the lighting industry, get on board today because we're all going to get rich, Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> what can I say? Um, I'm not so sure, so sure about this reach. <laughs> if you if you look about you know, the, uh, what's what's uh, 
what we will be have you know what we will have to uh, um, you know uh, face in the in the next <laughs> years i'm i'm sure um you know i'm trying to be positive but i mean you know there is a lot roller coaster out there at the moment uh, but we need to be smart I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we need to be smart with our choices, you know, so um, we also should um, should be vocal uh, in front of our uh, clients. I'm just mm -hmm. now talking, you know, from the perspective of, of a lighting practitioner, we should be able to uh, to tell our client, even if they will insist on a solution because they've seen something somewhere or, you know, that maybe this is not the best way. This is this is the reason they hired us to support them. But we can mm -hmm. and we can do this in the best possible way, right? With the best possible tools and so on. But I think it's this education on a different level that's super important. That's 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 for sure. Yeah. Well, we're coming I mean, up on an hour. Um, you know, I think that I think that um, awareness creation and education are two separate things. And I think that the, the darkness, restoration, dark skies, whatever, whatever, roll on, whatever we're calling it, you know what I mean? Whatever it's going to be called, the movement, mm -hmm. you referred to it as a movement as well. And, and so do I. It is a movement. Um, you know, whatever we call it, uh, we need to get the public on board with it. We need to take a look at what people operating in the climate change space are doing. And I'm not talking about... Um, helping them. I'm talking about a strategic look from movement to movement. How come they are able to accomplish so much? How come they are able, and they don't even have a solution to their problem. We have the solution. We can accomplish this. We can start working on this today and it will contribute to the climate change. We need to look as a movement strategically about how to get our message, not to the researchers in the lighting industry, of course, to those people, but also to the individual citizens of our countries so they can know that light pollution is pollution, Carolina. It's not a metaphor. And that we can then get advocates, people that are willing to stand up and vote for certain things and, and complain to, to different, um, to, towards bylaws and so We need to do a better job, not just with education, but also with awareness creation. I mean, I, I cannot agree more. I mean, what, what's also uh, interesting, um, um, in December last year, uh, there was a call from European Union for a grant application, you know, European European mm -hmm. Union um, offers uh, different, uh, you know, uh, research grants. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, imagine, I mean, they they must have heard, you know, voices from advocates and, you know, they were, of course, monitoring what's going on and what's published. For the first time, there was a research, um, you know, a call for light pollution and noise pollution. and their mm. impact on the biodiversity the biodiversity so this is already showing that you know one thing is the the you know bottom up right uh, a movement and what's going on there but i think also from the top top down um mm. you know there will be sooner or later there will be uh, uh, certain uh, requirements and uh, certain, uh, you know, regulations and legislations. So we need to also sure how can we comply in terms of our practice? Because imagine, if, you know, when this research, um, I don't know who is going to, you know, what kind of team will um, will win it. But uh, I can imagine there will be more calls. So they, um, you know, uh, those bodies, uh, they realize this is an issue. Uh, or at least, you know, they want to figure out if this is an issue, you know, so that's, uh, I, you know, it's often also, silence yeah. has come up on this show over and over again as a sort of synonym to darkness, that the, that the two things are kind of, they're, they're on the same side of the ledger, especially on the, when it comes to the spiritual aspects of the movement, you know, you don't want to be staring at the stars beside a busy highway, <laughs> you know cars going by and all this sort of thing right you kind of there's a peaceful silence that goes with stargazing that is completely in, in embedded into it and cannot be separated you're not going to be lying on a lake looking at the milky way and have all sorts of crazy noise in the background it, that, that doesn't seem like those things are connected and so silence and darkness in some ways go together you could often call this a restoring silence podcast or the starving for silence podcast which is in a way a type of darkness um, it's a dark sound or, or the absence of light, 
the absence of sound. There's a negative ledger there. How, how quiet is it? How dark is it? And I think most people don't realize light pollution and they don't realize that sound pollution is, is pollution. It's not a metaphor and we go back to that. We've passed an hour, if you can believe it, John Bullock. We've passed an hour. It's unbelievable. Carolina. We have indeed. It's so wonderful to finally get to meet you. I don't mean to, well, digitally meet you after a long time of following your career and, and, and watching your work. Um, is there any final thoughts for the Restoring Darkness listeners before we close? Oh, I mean, uh, first of all, thank you for uh, listening to us and thank you for <laughs> inviting me here. I mean, a pleasure to share, you know, and, and discuss with you this topic, which is mm -hmm. really close to my heart. Um, and I would say, you know, every every person, I mean, even if you're not a lighting professional uh, or not coming from the lighting industry, whoever, whoever is watching this, uh, you know, this show, you can add to, uh, you know, you can you can remove some uh, light and add to the darkness, right? I mean, you can you can do certain things. You can make sure that if you have, uh, you know, um, lighting in your garden uh, or, you know, on at your, you know, on your balcony um, or you do not glare your neighbors, right? I mean, you, you switch it off or dim it down. And, you know, uh, I think um, we should be, you know, uh, this, this whole um, approach, like a human-centric approach is, you know, it's off. <laughs> I think we really need to think about humanity approach, you know, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's about environment and us being part of it, not us as being, you know, like we are important, let's, you know, let's cut some trees, let's put some lighting and so on, right? Mm. And let's, let's, uh, no, I think we really need to think about um, the, the environment as a whole and us being part of it and not damaging it and just contributing to the welfare, you know? Um, yeah, so this is, this is, this is from me and I'm, I'm really happy, uh, you know, that, uh, this is this is moving forward and you know those uh, amazing postcards uh, postcards like yours uh you know you. they're happening and uh yeah i'm always a big fan thank you for uh you know uh running it for so long <laughs> thank you thank you and we will continue to run it that's for sure and uh there's some other big news folks coming out from the national association of innovative lighting distributors i can't say it i keep talking i know i talk about it a lot on every show we had some technical difficulties in this one but the, the content's just too good and this the listeners to this podcast are too niche so you had to put up with a little bit of the internet i don't control the internet so it is what it is but I know I speak on behalf of John, especially, and Carolina, when I say thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Join the movement. Join us, folks. Let's go. Bye for now. Look no further for dark sky-friendly products than Evluma. Since its first product launch, Evluma has carried one or more International Dark Sky Association certified models. If your customer cares about light pollution, suggest the Omnimax with shielding or the Ariamax with full cutoff to reduce uplight and glare. Evluma, illuminating the pursuit of darkness.